So there's a lot of chatter going around and there's so much information on the internet about this pandemic that's going on. We're, we're still living in this pandemic in lockdown. It's still only May. We're only a couple of months in. Uh, what's gone on with all this information is also all these conspiracies I've been reading, things about being, becoming a dystopian world and, and all that stuff. But regardless of this stuff, it made me think about this movie that I watched a long time ago called In Time. Have you seen it? You know, it's a movie with Justin Timberlake, the singer. Like, he did this acting stint for a little bit. Uh, it's a movie set in the future where you have, like, this chip in your arm. It counts how much time you have left to live. In this dystopian world, you age until you're 25, and then the countdown begins. You have exactly one year left before your time runs out, and when it does, you die. They don't want to keep you alive for much longer, so the chip takes away your life. Helps you to die with by the time you're 25. Time becomes this digital currency then in this world where you purchase things by giving hours, you give days, you give weeks or months or years to others. And that's how you trade. That's how you, you make money. The currency is time. Now, it's really interesting. It's a commentary too on, on the rich getting richer, the poor getting poorer. You know, you can live longer or you'll die earlier if you're poor. You can't afford to buy more time. But that's what this dystopian world looks like, okay? In time, go watch it. A world where you have to buy time. And to truly live is to have more time. But even if you haven't watched the movie, imagine yourself living in that future where you hit 25 years old and your time starts ticking. I'd be dead already, okay? Let's just, I'll just say that now. But you can fully feel the anxiety of that, right? I'm not having enough time to live, to really live. How much, how much have you really achieved by the time you're 25 years old? Our lives literally revolve around the idea of time, doesn't it? Everything we do is based on time. We schedule in time. We work according to a set amount of time. We think with time in mind. We reminisce on the past. We live for the present. We plan for the future. When we're young, we feel like we have so much time that we often get bored with it. We don't know what to do with our time. And it's a fascinating thing, but when you're, when you're young, time seems really long, doesn't it? Because you've only lived for a short time, so time seems to go much slower. But then when you're older, when you've aged a bit, time goes really fast because say one year out of 30 or one year out of 40 or 50, it, it seems like nothing, it flies past compared to being a young, youthful person. See, our perception of time changes, doesn't it? The older we get. And the older we get, the more we realize that when people ask us how we're going, usually don't we always have something like, hey, I've been really busy as if that's become the new norm for our lives, as if that's become some sort of badge of honor. Being busy is just what life is like. We want to be busy. We don't like being not busy. And there are means, right, even on being an adult, in you know, adulthood, where you and your friends, you know, in your teen or young adult years, you have so much time to spare. You can be spontaneous, you can hang out, catch up, loiter, spend hours together. But once you start really adulting, like going full-time work and and trying to fit in time with relationships, family, or hobbies, you'll realize normal schedules line up. You're busy. And you and your friends, you, you have to schedule a catch-up like in a month or two in advance just to hang out, just to see each other. You see, what we'll all generally agree on is this. We never feel like we have enough time. And the older we get, the faster time passes us by. The older we get, the more we, wanna, we want time to slow down for us. Our quarter or our midlife crisis, right, is a reflection of this. We don't like the idea of getting old. So in our hope to stay young, what do we do? We buy our anti-aging serum for our wrinkles. We exercise more. 
we eat healthier, we live under the tyranny of time and in our vain attempts of packing out our calendars with social events and Netflix binging and holidays across the world to avoid the FOMO, we hope to do what? We hope to buy time, don't we? Our lives are at the mercy of time. But how can we view the seasons? How can we view the times in our lives as God designed it for us? See, the book of Ecclesiastes drops some wisdom on us here. It helps us ease anxiety that comes from the tyranny of time and to put our hope in something greater beyond what time can offer. And the first thing this chapter presents to us is that we as humans living in this world or under the sun as we hear in this book often, we're creatures that are bound by time, right? Let's read from verse one to eight again. Uh, Let me read it. It's, It's very poetic. So open your Bibles and you can follow along with me. Chapter three, verse one to eight. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. We read this, hey, and you can't argue with it. <laughs> Life under the sun is this series of times. It's a tapestry of time where, where seasons are interwoven with one another. He begins with the truth that all living creatures are born into the world and will one day die. A time to be born and a time to die. Universal truth, no matter who you are. A fate we'll all have to face. There's times where we'll plant and we'll also uproot, like like that herb garden you planted that's now overgrown and you want a fresh start. Or perhaps it describes more how you've planted yourself in a job or you planted yourself in a, in a city, like the great city of Brisbane, and you're planning to uproot yourself, to move on to something else. He mentions too that there's a time to build and a, a time to tear down. Not all of us are, are carpenters, but I'm sure some of you have built Lego before, you know? And maybe he's talking about, like, I don't think Lego was invented, but you know what I'm saying? We built Lego and we've torn it down. We put a puzzle together and we all know what this is about. We put it together and then we tear it all down and we start again. It's a vicious cycle, isn't it? Sometimes I think about this with cooking when why am I spending hours cooking a dish? Even though it might taste really good, it's consumed in about 10 minutes. Why do I spend hours doing that? They should include that here, right? The teacher, preacher, he should say a time to cook and a time to eat. It should be on this list. Anyways, he describes emotions as well, doesn't he? He describes being happy, a time to be happy, a time to laugh, also a time to be sad, a time to weep, a time to love, a time to hate. In the seasons of life, in the periods of time, we've all had these experiences, haven't we? So for some, the season for you is study. You're at uni. You know that there are going to be semesters where you have to learn, you have to prep, you sit exams, you do assignments. You might not get much sleep because of them. That's what you expect the season to be like. But then there's also the season of rest. You got three to four months of holidays for some of you where you can enjoy rest, parties, working that part-time job, whatever it might be. It's a season of life here and you're a student. If you're a young parent of a newborn, like our friends Owen and Haley, this is a season that you're not going to get much sleep. 
you got to expect that. It's a season where you might have to decline some social outings because you have to care for your family. It's a season where you're taking nappies everywhere you go and this is what life looks for you now for the season. Everyone has gone through seasons. We've all, we all go through the times. And people will say things like, hey, make the most of it. Enjoy the experience. Enjoy the time you have with your newborn. Enjoy the time you have in uni. In uni. They're moments that are fleeting. They're moments that come and go like the breath. And we say this because our time is limited. We're bound by it. There's a mystery to it, but this is life under the sun. Time makes us feel the fragility, doesn't it? The mortality of life. The finitude of it. And what the teacher does here in chapter 3 is he helps us reflect on the seasons and the times as a way to actually point us to something far greater. He's leading us down a path towards a truth about life that changes how we actually view the times that we experience, that we live through. See, the truth is, God has planned everything for eternity. Something for us to look forward to. An eternity where we aren't limited by time and age and death. So if you continue reading with me, verse 9, What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Right? How interesting is that? If, if you keep going, he says, No one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people to ha- be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. Again, you know, we're, we're hearing the word come up again. What do we gain? Especially when it comes to the seasons of life. Everything is a cycle. The sun comes up, the sun goes down. That was in chapter one. Generations come, generations go. I don't know if you remember that. People are born, people die. People go to war, people have peace. What's the point of our short, finite lives where we look, work so hard and, and time robs us of all the pleasure and joy and life, right? We try to cheat time. We try to buy more time. We'll use, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try to be youthful for another day and, and the marketing sells it to us. You know, we all want to look young. Any vampire film <laughs> would tell you, Though, you know, any Twihard fan out there will tell you living forever is more of a curse than a blessing. I think verse 10 gives us the right idea. There's a heavy burden laid on the human race. Purpose and meaning exist only when there is an end to it or something even greater to look forward to. So he writes for us. I'll read it again. Verse 11, he's made everything beautiful in its time. He has set eternity in the human heart. See first that he says there is beauty, right, in the sun. There's beauty in the seasons, there's beauty in the rhythms and flows of life. It's really interesting as civilizations have developed in the West, particularly, don't you think we've lost the art of appreciating beauty in the moments? Uh, if you look into history, the history of time, it's really interesting. But it wasn't until 45 BC, the, the Roman Empire, they came up with a 365-day calendar, right? So we started looking at life through days, weeks, months, years. Mechanical clocks started in the 12th century. The creation of time zones, like the meridian, um, the, the Greenwich meridian mean time, GMT, began in the 1800s. Uh, I actually got to go there the, where, where time starts in London. Um, it's really interesting. It's a line in the ground. But as time and science developed over the years, what's happened? Our knowledge and understanding of it has grown too. And this is really interesting. Humanity has grown um, in the understanding of time and how it all works, but we've also, haven't we, grown in our anxiety of it? 
that the more we understand how limited our lives are, we're at the mercy of it. Feeling time poor, saying we're busy, it, it's just the norm now in the 21st century. And what I've realized as I read these poetic words by the teacher in Ecclesiastes, and as I read it through my own Western lens and context, is that we care so much, don't we, about our efficiency. We care so much about trying to speed up time for the next thing. And so we'll watch things on double speed on YouTube, we'll listen to our podcast on double speed. But how often do we stop to consider and reflect on how we actually view our life and the seasons of it? How often do we stop and enjoy the beauty of the moment? There's a movie, um, another movie reference, Click with Adam Sandler. I don't know if you've watched it, but it's so appropriate for this. Uh, we've become so obsessed with efficiency. And in this movie, Click, he has this remote control that controls time in his life. And he plays with his fate, doesn't he? He fast forwards the hard parts of life. When he, and when he does that, his actions and his, his demeanor, everything, his responses, they're on autopilot. And so he only wants to experience and live out the moments where things are good, when times are good. So he fast forwards all the hard parts. And he, and you, and he finds himself fast forwarding a lot of hard parts in his life. He doesn't like a lot of parts of his life. But what he doesn't realize is that every season matters. Whether it's a time to love or a time to hate. Whether it's a time to laugh or a time to weep. You don't want the negative experiences of uni, sure. You don't want the negative experiences of a crying baby, sure. But the wisdom of Ecclesiastes, life is going to be a series of times. A series of seasons that we're going to experience. Which we're called to acknowledge. Which we're called to embrace. And even appreciate. Even if we'd like to fast forward because of the pain or the impatience of anticipation. I'm sure we'd all want to fast forward COVID-19, the lockdown that we're going through. See, you, we might not be able to imagine having a remote control like Click, but we do get impatient, don't we? We get impatient with being put on hold on the phone with customer service. We get frustrated at that friend who, who rocks up late, half an hour late, and when you arrange to be there at a certain time, we get frustrated. And, and time is like this in our Western context. We care, and we should care about being on time. Be on time to appointments, to meetings, to parties, to church. Yet the rest of the world doesn't seem to have that same attitude all the time. See, I, I think this is an angle by which Ecclesiastes wants us to approach life. For example, in, in other parts of the world, in the non-Western backgrounds, you know, for example, a Latino background. I've heard from a friend, they tell me that a wedding doesn't start until the guests arrive. It's not about the bride and groom, it's when the guests arrive, that's when the wedding starts, right? And so that's, they'll come when they feel like it. People in, in Asian or, or Middle Eastern or Islander cultures, uh, you don't put end times on parties, do you? You just socialize and you hang out all day, all night until people feel like going home. That's in a lot of different cultures. In Western culture though, however, time is about precision. It's about quantity. Be on time. My time is money. I can do more if I fit more in into my schedule. So we pack out our schedules, our calendars, and we try to accomplish so much because we're all about that efficiency. There's no time to waste. There's no time to heal. There's no time to, to weep. There's no time to grieve. Only time to achieve more. And underlying that, really, in our culture is this fear of missing out, the FOMO in life, trying to get a, a million things done as if doing more, having more time will fill the emptiness that we feel. Having a busy schedule, that will make us feel more fulfilled, won't it? But it never actually feels like we've gained anything, does it? It's just a chase after the wind. But what Ecclesiastes is telling us is it's about quality, more so than quantity. It's about experiencing the moment, 
embracing the times and the seasons and the beauty of it the, the tides and flows of life that's the culture that ecclesiastes is writing into and wanting us to consider and as we deal with all these times in life these seasons of embracing or being silent or speaking or healing or war or peace whatever else that life throws at us perhaps just maybe we'll see the beauty of the moment with the overarching knowledge that like all of life there is a time to be born and a time to die. We are finite, limited beings, aren't we? But there is beauty in the times of life. Yet, that's not all that there is. If life under the sun in a world is just a series of moments and just, and, just, and just enjoy the moment, if that's all the teacher is saying, really, it is meaningless. Because life just comes and goes. It's like a vapor, a mist. Every moment it's fleeting, a breath that is here one second and gone the next. But all that, enjoying the moment, enjoying the beauty, of the, it all points us to something far greater, doesn't it? What he says, you see the human heart. We, we fill our schedule with things to do and we go from moment to moment to find what? Isn't it because we want to fill the emptiness? Isn't it because we want things to last? We, we do want lasting joy, don't we? We want that pack of Tim Tams that never ends. That Netflix series that we binged that was just over too quickly. I, I hate that feeling. You, you, you finish a season and you're like, ah, oh, what do I watch next? You know, that, that, that coffee or that cup of tea that, that you need to reheat because it gets cold. It was over too quickly, perhaps, as well. You want to buy another coffee. We want things, don't we? We want pleasure to last. We want joy to last. We want lasting relationships. We want friends always to be there for us. We want loved ones to live longer. We want lasting euphoria. So we, we want to go on that ski trip. We want to get on the jet ski. We want to go for the skydive. We want to go for the bungee jump. Just the feeling of being on holidays. We want that feeling, don't we? And it was over too quick. Lasting satisfaction. Isn't that what our hearts yearn for? But nothing lasts. The teacher here, he's pointing us and priming us towards something that will last. God has put in the human heart the desire for something greater, a time that will last, the fact that, the fact that we can even imagine it, the fact that our heart longs for it and desires things to last, the fact that the human mind can conjure up fictional stories like time machines, the fountain of youth, the elixir of life, movies like Back to the Future, movies like Time Traveler's Wife, In Time, About Time, Hot Tub Time Machine, <laughs> God create us with eternity in mind. We want things to last. We want to control time. But here he says, God has stamped eternity into the human heart. We're wired for eternity, aren't we? The human soul desires it. Every human wants things to last. And I can guarantee you when your phone or, or your laptop breaks down, you'll be like me, right? You'll be complaining. Things just don't last anymore. How many times have you heard someone or yourself say, man, they just don't build them like they used to because we expect it to last. And so the teacher puts it all into perspective. Why do we want things to last? It's because we have eternity stamped into our hearts. We're going to live through these times. Seasons will come, seasons will go. Some will be very unexpected. Here in 2020, no one expected COVID-19 to rock our world as it has. People have used the word unprecedented, right? Unprecedented, but it's not unprecedented in God's timeline. A year ago, we were making big plans for 2020. This is the year of growth, we'd say. This is the year I'm going to stick to my news resolution. This is the year I change jobs or buy that house or exercise more. But the coronavirus has put all that on hold. 
This is the time in our lives that is for lockdown. This is a time in our lives where we're uncertain about our jobs or our finances. A time in our lives where people have gotten sick here and around the world. A time where people have died and will continue to die. Seasons come and seasons go in this world, in our lives. And really is a wake-up call to us, isn't it? We aren't in control of the times. We can't stop time, rewind time, fast-forward time. We can't buy more time. And this season of lockdown and this global pandemic is teaching us that the reality of being human, living under the sun and having no choice but to get in step, to get in flow with the times while we await for something far greater, while we wait for eternity. The preacher wants us to see precisely the one who has eternity in his hands. Verse 11 onwards, right? No one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all they're told. This is the gift of God. Verse 14, I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it, nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Right? So, so one, we are finite and bound by time. Two, we're, we long for eternity. But three, the third thing is, God is the one who has eternity and time in his hands. Isn't this a wonderful truth that we can embrace? The timelessness of God. The eternal, as we read earlier, the everlasting God in Psalm 90. Enjoy the beauty of the moment, yes. Eat and drink with satisfaction because every moment of pleasure and fulfillment from your work and tour, that, that itself is a gift from God. Yet also come to the understanding. Come to the realization. Although we're so limited in our experiences, God has all of time in his hands. He is in control of it. He's aware of it. He's ordained it. Past, present, future. All we can do, really, is humble ourselves before this God. To fear Him in reverence and respect. And while we're given this vibe that we're, that we're at the mercy of time, living under the tyranny of time, the preacher says, don't fear time. Fear God. Fear God who has time in His hands. Submit yourself before Him. Put it all in perspective. From God's perspective over our lives. Time is just a breath. Our lives are just grains of sands in the hourglass of eternity. I just came up with that. <laughs> what really complements this passage is the short verse in Psalm 31, right? I want to read this for you. Psalm 31. Uh, you can flip to it if you want. It's just two verses I'm going to read. Psalm 31 verse 14. I'm going to read from there. It's, 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 it's King David writing. He's talking about his struggles and anxieties. He says, but I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. King David's writing that. This is before Ecclesiastes was written. Psalm 31. See, we can only put time into perspective when God is in the equation. God is the one who created time, designed time, controlled time. And sure, you can scientifically uh, calculate time determined by the sun and the moon and the tides, sure. But who created the sun? Who created the moon and the tides for it to work so perfectly together that we could even make sense of it? God has put it all together for us to enjoy it, to see his creative hand behind it. And we read it when the Apostle Paul is in Athens. If you flip to uh, Acts chapter 17 with me. Acts chapter 17 verse 26 to 27. It says this. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him 
and find him. Isn't that interesting? Reach out to the one who is behind time. The one we can stand before in humble fear and trust. Because it's only through understanding God that we can understand what satisfaction and peace in this life will look like amidst the anxiety of the times. When Jesus goes to the cross for our sin, when he dies to the, the death we deserve for our rejection of God, guess what? He also secures eternal life for us. And the resurrection reveals that for us. Jesus, who was raised from the dead, is the, is the forerunner, the, the trailblazer for us. Jesus, in Revelation, is called the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the king who controls the time and holds the times in his hands. He, through his life, death, and resurrection. <laughs> he went through that in this world. Through our finite world, he opens the door to another, doesn't he? An eternal life and an eternal kingdom under him. And we've got to put that all into perspective. We have eternity for us because of Jesus. In the words of a, a, pre, a pastor in Sydney, his name's Al Stewart. We actually get to meet him next week. He'll be uh, at Providence with us here. But he says this, An event grounded in the past gives us hope in the future and changes the present. An event grounded in the past gives us hope in the future and changes the present. It changes everything. That eternity you and I are wired for, it's been gifted to us. It's by grace that you and I have been saved into eternity, into heaven with God, to be with Him forever. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that amazing? That's amazing grace. And that changes everything today, doesn't it? How we see the times, how we live today, live in the moments. Jesus, who in love gave his life so we could have life. It means I can today, like Psalm 31, I can say, I trust in you, Lord. You are my God. My times are in your hands. There's an eternal life that awaits us. And with eternal life means we can change the way, it, it can, we can shift our priorities on time. That's what the message of the resurrection does for us. The great fear of death no longer haunts us. The anxiety of time and not having enough of it no longer has a grip on us. The times are in God's hands. We can trust Him and be confident. We can have a, a peace that through our faith in the grace of Jesus, our eternity has been secured. And so for you and I, with this wisdom about the times, how does that change the way you live today? I think that we all need to, to hear this is, sure, Slow down, enjoy the beauty, but we do need to make the most of our time, don't we? And I'm not saying this in a, in a rush, frantic, pack out your schedules type of way, but we need to make the most of our time under God on, in this world. There is no gain. It's a chase after the wind if we think we're going to gain anything by trying to control time. But see the beauty of it under God. See the moments when we can slow down and enjoy God and the gifts he gives us. Enjoy the moments where you spend time with people in your life. Enjoy the opportunities you have where you can, where you can live life and, and enjoy food and, and, and rest, where you can slow down. Savor them. See that God gives them to us and he leads us through them. But also use the times to do good. Use these times to serve God, to glorify Jesus, to serve other people, to love people, to love the poor and needy, to love those who are sick, to love those who are orphaned or... or or, or struggling in life, whatever season you're facing, whatever season they're facing, use this time to do good. The Apostle Paul, he writes for us in Ephesians 5, he talks about living as children of light, do what pleases God. He writes in verse 15, be careful then how you live. 
not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days, the times are evil. You know, he says that because death has, is, is going to rob us of time. Opportunities. It's going to rob us of trying to tick off everything on our bucket list. But even though the times and seasons might make us feel anxious, we can live as wise people still in this world. We can live under God. Trusting God. Doing good because of God. Making the most of every opportunity. Making much of Jesus with our lives. There's a book that I've read uh, and many people in the business world uh, get a hold of and they read it as well. It's called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Have you read it? It's interesting. It's about getting your life in order, being efficient with your work. If you feel time poor, have a read of it. Figure out your vision in life. Start prioritizing your time. It's helpful. It's good. It might help you. But while it might be helpful, while today uh, there are many books and apps on your phone that, that record your screen time, that record your busyness and help you schedule your life and help you prioritize life, there will be a day, won't there? There'll be a day when you'll have to face a time that ends it all. Stephen Covey, the author of that book, he lived till old age, sure. But you know what? He died in a cycling accident. A day, a time he didn't expect. It just happened. Seven habits of highly effective people doesn't mean you can cheat death. doesn't mean you can buy more time. Friends, that's the reality we all have to face. We can, we can plan all we want, but God holds the pen to life and death. You and I, we don't need to fear the seasons. We don't need to fear time robbing us all of life. We can trust Jesus and live making the most of every day for Him and in light of the eternity with Him that awaits. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus, Lord, who gives us life, eternal life. We have eternity that awaits us with you, where we get to experience every good pleasure, every good season for eternity. Lord, we're thankful for that. And we pray, Lord, as we consider that, that we'll see today and we'll see the moments of, uh, and the seasons of life as gifts from you. We'll enjoy the beauty of the times. We'll enjoy you who provides that for us. And in doing so, Lord, we'll make the most of every opportunity. We'll do good. We pray, we pray that you'll help us do good, that your spirit will help us to do good, to love you, to love others, and to love our world as you called us to. We do pray for this, Lord. We pray that you'll work in and through us to make much of you and to glorify you while we live in these times, in this world. In his name, in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.